0: Learn more at marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks attack tackle. Touchdown. Touchdown. That's five for Chris Brown. The defense of Tom Up in the air, caught, touchdown! caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. I think I like my Colorado sway because when no minute play, I don't, really, I don't really know just how to aid. And when no minute go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, deal the buffs with my Colorado sway. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm today. We're talking about the Stanford game uh, from last season. CU versus Stanford, the football game. Uh, the Buffs won that game, 35-32, got to 2-0. and It was a big one. I feel like that was a big one. You know, you go out, you beat UCLA. At the time, we don't realize that UCLA is going to be knocking off some of the best teams in the conference that season. It doesn't feel like that big of a win, I feel like. But then, to go and beat Stanford, a, a team that we didn't realize was going to be losing to a bunch of teams in the conference, uh, that, that was a turning point, especially in a five-game season, right? No, it was supposed to be six. It was supposed to be six, because at that point, don't know that the, was it the yeah Arizona State game gets canceled. What was the other game that got canceled? Because one didn't get replaced, the other got replaced by San Diego State doesn't really matter for the sake of this podcast. The point is, to go up 2-0 and in a six-game season, it feels good. It feels good, especially after the Pac-12 announces that uh, they're going to require their teams to be at least 500 to play in a bowl game, despite the NCAA not having that requirement. Uh, why would they do that, you might ask? I-, I would say go back and listen to the podcast from November when I said that I have no clue whatsoever why that decision would be made. But again, that's not really the point. The point is, it was a big win, but also a win that probably could have been a little bit bigger. Uh, Let Stanford back into it at the end. Uh, I think, what, they went up 28-9. I guess 35-16 is the same margin. So to to give up the last 16 points in the game doesn't feel great. Uh, But we're going to talk about that. Again, the way that we talked about beforehand. I remember... I remember the first time we talked about this um right after the game. We had the post-game show. I didn't I, I wasn't that upset about it. You know, I I thought that when you're up by that much, it makes sense to run the ball, trust the defense because you just look at the clock and say if we can just run a little bit of time off the clock, they're not going to have time to to make this a game unless they get some big plays, which who knows? Maybe maybe passing the ball would have given to him. But, yeah, we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about some of the standouts in the game. Um, and uh, that's the plan for today. Honestly, don't know how long this is going to take. I guess I have to leave for the first day of the DNVR Golf League in, like, an hour. Very excited about that. Uh, so, it won't be more than an hour, although last week's when we talked about UCLA was. Um, if this turns out to be, like, 20 minutes, though, I'm going to be like, huh, Really? but not all that surprised. If it turns out to be like 45, I'll be like, huh, yeah, uh, sure. We'll see how much <laughs> there really is to talk about. Um, first, though, I want to say a couple more words before we really get into it about uh, the presenting sponsor of this podcast, the Colorado XOs. Uh, they're a rugby team based in Glendale, Colorado. They work at the Rugby Town National Training Center. It's a, it's a cool project that they have going. They're working closely with the U.S. national team um, to to try to get athletes who, uh, for whatever reason, are done playing their primary sport. You know, former football players, former soccer players, whatever, teaching them to play rugby, trying to get them on the U.S. national team. It's a cool thing. And uh, definitely stay tuned to the DMVR Rugby podcast, uh, the DMVR Rugby on Twitter. Um, You can go to thedmvr.com and catch all the written rugby content there as well. Uh, So definitely do that. All right. Um... Where to start? Well, let's just run through these notes in order. Uh, first note uh, on the list, Dimitri Stanley is really good. You know, th- this is something that we knew. We knew that Dimitri Stanley was really good. But, but to know that going into these games and to watch him throughout the game, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. You know, I, I remember Darren Cheverini telling us early in uh, spring camp a couple months ago that they're just trying to get Dimitri to, to run when he's on the field. Just just always run, you know, in the same way that... Uh, I, oh, I remember what we were talking about, I think, is him going and competing with the track team, um, running the 100 there, and, and that's somehow turned into Chev saying, yeah, if you just run on the field... Constantly, like, that's – but but it makes sense because you really do see that speed that he possesses, but doesn't always put to use. And and I think that that's something that's tough for a slot receiver because what, – what do you think of when you think of a slot receiver? Um, first of all, like, a big picture of Wes Welker pops into my brain, and then from there you start thinking about, you know – It's about getting shifty. It's about finding the space underneath. It's about outsmarting your opponents. Um, And that's something Wes Welker was really good at. Julian Edelman's really good at. Um, Those those sorts of guys, that's kind of what it's all about. And because when you're playing from the slot, that's what you're focused in on, I think that sometimes when you're Dimitri Stanley, you can forget how fast you are. And he had some nice catches underneath. But he also had some nice ones where he's running all the way across the field on those over routes. and, And Sam hits him. And it's just, it's just beautiful to watch. It's just beautiful to watch, um, because when you have that speed, it's it's football. That's a massive asset. And uh, I don't know. I, was, I spent a lot of time thinking about what Chef had to say there. And then again, like that speed is what makes him so dangerous from the slot. You know, he's a good route runner. He he can find the the gaps in zone coverage, all that kind of stuff. Be the little outlet for the quarterback if there's nothing open downfield. But at the same time, you put him in the slot and just run him right up the seam. He's gonna really stretch that defense out and open things up underneath. And I think that going back and watching this game, I have some I have some critiques in terms of how the offense was called. But for the most part, you know, again, same thing as last week. Watching those first couple drives with the buffs, it's fun to watch. That is a that is a good offense that's that's built well, that has a, a fun playbook. And I think the play calling, for the most part, was really good. And later on, we'll talk about, you know, did they run too much late and give Stanford too many opportunities? Turns out the answer to that question is no. You know, Stanford was able to make it a three-point game, but the Buffs had run enough time off the clock that despite going... Did they go three and out at the end? It's in the bottom of my notes. Um, whatever happened... Even though Stanford cut it to a one-score game, all they could do is get the ball back with 10 seconds left at their own five-yard line with no timeouts. You know, it turned out that it played out right. But again, we're getting into that stuff later. The point is, when you look at the routes they're being run, you know, things like uh, just Jarek motioning out of the backfield and going into these five-wide receiver looks. You saw that early on on some third downs. It's just such a diverse offense because obviously you can line up and go heavy and, and let Jarrett go to work and good things are going to happen there. And, and when you can also flex him out and put him in a receiving spot, just the number of different things that this offense is capable of doing and because of the talent that they have, but also because of the playbook that this coaching staff built and because of the way that, that Darren Cheverini called that game, I, I, I'm I a fan. I'm a fan. And I had forgotten just how much fun this team is to watch. Um, especially when they have the ball. Um, I do have a complaint, though. I do have a complaint. The entire game... The Buffs ran one screenplay. One. And... You know, we we talked about last week, we talked a lot about that tight end screen they ran. And without Brady Russell, it makes sense that you're not, you know, running Matt Lynch screens. That's not his job. Although he did, I thought, do a good job blocking and, you know, was everything you could have asked him to be given, you know, the circumstances. Being a former quarterback, transferring in, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, But I did think that. You know, I understand why it didn't happen. I guess you're running the ball well. You can feed Jarek, and you're you're putting up points. You're throwing the ball well. Ah, Sam Noyer missed some passes. This this wasn't like the first game where he was kind of clinical underneath. I was actually kind of surprised looking at like what the Pro Football Focus said um, because they they had him. As, as a good passer underneath, um, hitting a lot of those things. Um, but I, I felt like he missed quite a few throws, especially early on. You know, there there was a third down throw to Jarek. I think uh, on one of those plays where Jarek was flexed out um, into the slot, one-on-one with the linebacker, and he gets by him, and Sam tries to kind of drop it over the top, and he just overthrows it. And there were some of those overthrows. There were a couple that were I think an early one to Maurice Bell. He could have put it in a spot where Maurice was gonna run with the ball. Instead, he puts it behind him, and I guess that counts as a completion um, when when you just look at the passing chart. But there was more out there. There was definitely more out there. At the same time, you know, the what was it the touchdown to go up? It was either 7 6 or 14 or to go up 7-zip or 14-6 was one where they ran the ball a couple times with Jarek and then let Sam just take the QB sneak. You know, there, was, there were more QB sneaks. I think a fourth and one QB sneak that, you know, that defense just doesn't have a chance to stop. Sam Neuer going to get those. There were other good runs from Sam. Wasn't a perfect game, though. And, again, if you're this coaching staff, it's, it, these are tough decisions, figuring out who you want your quarterback to be. I guess it probably wasn't at that point because your options are Tyler Lytle, who, you know, he 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 just didn't quite have enough to to be that guy for CU, or Brendan Lewis, who at that point was not ready, was not ready. Right now, though, if if you know Sam Neuer, obviously in the transfer portal, he's gone. But but going through this spring. And trying to decide, you know, do we, do we want to run it back with Sam? Because it worked. And there are very obvious pros to having Sam there. I mean, you, you look at the score, 35-32. 35, what does that mean? Seven touchdowns. How many field goals is that? None. Because when you get the ball inside, Sam was able to get it into the end zone. Whether it was throwing the ball, whether it was handing it off, whether it was running it in himself, he was good down there. Again, just like he was in that game against UCLA. And that is something that's very valuable. You know, uh, well, I guess it's time to just jump in. You know, they go up seven to six or they're up seven to six. They don't go up because it was they scored first. But imagine if Stanford's able to turn those two field goals into a touchdown. All of a sudden you're down fourteen seven. Then this next touchdown is just to tie it up, and the one after that is to give you a one-score lead. It just changes so many things when you're able to get the ball into the end zone, and that's something that Sam Neuer's offense did not every single time, but pretty close to it. What was it, like 17 of 24 red zone trips ended in a touchdown? It's a great number. That's that's a number that, to be honest, you probably don't see again this year. Um. Let's keep going through these notes. So, number one was Dimitri Stanley is really good. Cross that off. Uh, Number two, the DBs are really good. Um, They were sharp, especially early on. Especially early on. Some good PBUs. um, You know, again, there's like a couple that you look at and you're like, Makai great play to to drop off of your guy underneath, get up the sideline, knock the ball away from the receiver on the sideline that's a little ways downfield with the safety in behind him. That's a that's a that's a catch for a big gain. If you don't make that play, make that read. But also, could you have just gotten your second hand on the ball? And to me the answer is I think he could have. And just like Isaiah Lewis last week or when we were talking about UCLA had two of those you wonder if there's just a, another level that this defense can get to. And I absolutely think there is. And, you know, seeing that kind of thing, that gets you excited about this defense this season. Um, You know, it, Darian Rakestraw didn't have like a horrible game or anything. But I did think, especially early on, a couple of the plays they gave up. Um, you know, I think there might have been pass interference on too. I can't remember. They wound up being two Darian. Uh, uh, often early on and there weren't too many of those in general which means there were even fewer that were on him but that's another thing that you kind of just take a mental note of you know is is how big of a loss is darian rakestraw that's a tough question to answer because i think so much of what he did you know he was called like what they call they call him grandpa i think in the in the safeties room the db's room that was a guy who knew his job, knew everybody else's job. People could go to and ask what their job was. You know, this defense, the the way it's set up is for there to be two people making checks on the field. Nate Landman, or whoever your middle linebacker is, and uh, your your free safety back there. Because Nate can kind of look inside the box and say, okay, front seven, here's what we need to do to stop this look essentially like to stop the run here. And then you have Darian behind him, looking at the receivers and the coverage saying, okay, we need, we need these guys here to, to make sure that this works. And, and it's not like it, it's, it's creative thinking back there. You're not looking and saying, Hmm, I think that this guy should go here. It's, it's just based on the rules of the defense. You know, if, if you've got two on this side, then the defense responds with this on this side. And this is, this. you know, it's, it's all these just checks that we always talk about. Um, but he was the one who kind of had like final say out there um, because he he knew what he was doing. And when people were confused, they looked at him and that to me is the biggest loss. I think talent wise, he's, he's probably replaceable and you know, you, you worry about depth maybe just a little bit. And I think that that's kind of going to be the storyline for the buffs all season. I think part of the reason they were so successful last year, it's not that they were super healthy all year, but they didn't have that depth tested all that much. You know, you can kind of point to where it was tested and where it was tested was, I mean, you you start with the tight end without Brady Russell and that didn't go great. They didn't have a lot of depth there. And you could also point to running back with Alex Fontenot gone. They did have the depth to withstand that. Um, and it was kind of in some way, lucky that that's where a major injury to one of on paper, your top players happened. Um, where else were our injuries? I, I mean, Chris Miller missed some time. Uh, and I guess maybe that's where you'll look as the replacement back deep. That or Mark Perry. Um, Mark, I thought, played better in this game than he did in the one before. N- not a surprise for a young player. Um, but yeah, later on in the game, and maybe we'll, we'll save most of this conversation for later, things opened up. You know, I think there's a bunch of reasons for that. Um, but we'll save that for later. Um, early on. Colorado was was winning in the trenches both sides of the ball. As the game progressed, I felt like the defensive lines for both sides were probably getting the upper hand. At the same time, I don't know. I I still think that if you look at the whole game and and you were to say, would, would we give the win to the Colorado offensive line or Stanford defensive line? You give it to the Colorado offensive line. They won that. And when you look at the other side with the Colorado defensive line or Stanford offensive line, you take Colorado there too. Uh they definitely got their best work in early, I thought, but it 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 was still a, a win. Um we talked about Sam missing some easy throws. Um I did, did write down, you know, there were some good throws downfield too. There there was probably more out there deep as well, but you know, there's a beautiful one to Dimitri on the sideline. Uh On one of those crossing routes, I think he came all the way across the field on that one. Just hit him right there in that little spot. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of coverage that was. It might have been like cover three like in front of the safety. But it was was a hit or miss game. It was a hit or miss game. And I guess maybe this is where we should just jump into a couple of these stats. We're not going to go too stat heavy today. Um, But... I feel like when you talk about quarterbacks, stats are very important. Um, let's see. What do we want? We want passing direction and pressure. These are from Pro Football Focus, by the way. Um, six of eight, zero to ten yards downfield. Um, one of two behind the line of scrimmage. Um, the 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 one miss there was a miss on the one screen pass. The one screen that they called all day uh, was uh, just Jarek leaking out to the left. And... You know, there was obviously some pressure. There's free rushers coming at him. It was kind of congested in there. It wasn't like developing perfectly. I think that it was certainly salvageable, but Sam did kind of sail the ball over Jarek's head. And I mean, not kind of, that's what happened because Jarek was not able to catch it. Um, Downfield though, 10 to 20 yards. uh, He was four of five, 20 plus. He was four of eight. Those are good numbers. Those are good numbers. Um, when he was clean, he hit on 14 to 20, that's 17%. When he was under pressure, hit on one of four, 25%, 10 yards. Very similar to that first game, you'll remember, those. the splits were wide. You know, you expect there to be a, a significant difference depending on whether you're under pressure or not. Sam Noyers through these first two games has been an, an outlier in terms of how much of a disparity there was. Um, which again, just something to keep in mind. Um, I also, in watching this game, you know, he, he didn't have like perfect pocket awareness, but compared to like, say watching that JT Shrout game against Texas A&M, I thought that, I thought that Sam was significantly sharper. And I think maybe some of that is just the being a runner, you know, and I'm not sure that he's necessarily like looking around, always like checking for an escape route, but there's something to being a running quarterback and just having a good feel for the people around you, um, which I think is notable. Um, anything else in here with these numbers? Not really. Um, overall, I guess might as well just pull up the actual stats from this game. Um, I guess I have Sam Noyer's line right here. He was uh, 15 of 24, 255 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, the interception was on a deep ball. Uh, there, there was I think there are two guys in his face. He was getting knocked backwards as he threw it. Um, he overthrew his receivers a little bit, a little bit wide left as well. It, weird that I said receivers. Probably for those of you listening, somehow Dimitri Stanley and Daniel Arias were like in the same spot, 30 yards downfield. Um, it turned out to not be too problematic of an interception. Actually, that's not true. We'll talk about this drive up next. But um It was a it was a long ball. And if you're going to throw an interception, you want to throw an interception that's really 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 far downfield, and that's what happened. You know, should he have held on to the ball and taken the sack? Honestly, maybe not. You know, if if I can't remember what down this was, but if this was a 3rd down, would you rather have like a a 4th and sixteen having your your punter get the ball at like the forty yard line or would you rather just give the ball to the other team at their own f- six, I think it was. I think at their own six. I mean, obviously just give it to him at the six. Your punter's not gonna be able to do that. If it was a if it was a second down and you're gonna give yourself a third and sixteen, honestly that's a conversation. The interception might even be better than that. Um and you know, not to try to excuse the mistake. Um, but that was actually the, the, here's an interesting stat. That was the one pass he didn't complete when he was blitzed. He was five of six with that interception and with a touchdown when the defense was blitzing, picked up 92 yards. That's 16 and a half yards per attempt. Again, something to file away. What blitz means that there's fewer defenders on the field downfield, obviously. Um, let's see it seems like just off the top of my head there was more man coverage behind those blitzes than zone uh which which would make the reads a lot easier even even if uh it is zone it's still easier because there's fewer players again just something to to keep in mind um that that, that may be a strength that could potentially be missing from whoever the quarterback is this year um he actually here's another interesting one. When he wasn't blitzed, on average he threw the ball 11.8 yards downfield. When he was blitzed, 17.5. So 50% deeper when he was getting blitzed. Again, what does that really mean? Not all that much on its own, but it's it's kind of fun to keep in mind. Um moving on from Sam though. Oh, next note. Jet toner is the name of the kicker. <laughs> I'd Totally forgotten about that. Uh, that that was a fun post game show, um, talking about how the kicker sounded like the name of printer ink, jet toner. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Let I me mean, let me peek ahead in these notes. Yeah, so so on this next drive, so you're up seven six. Sam throws the deep interception. And Colorado almost has a stop. Uh, Jamar Montgomery gets around the edge, chases Davis Mills, who somehow made it to the NFL, and uh, sacked him, but grabbed him by the face mask. And I don't—that th- wasn't a third down, I don't think, but it was a big play when uh, you uh, talk about them going down the field and scoring. Um. To make it seven six, I guess it was seven three. Um, okay, a quick note. Uh, actually, we should spend some time here. Uh, Jarek. Uh, the note says Jarek still deserves more credit for how he finishes runs. You know, there, there's so many times where he just puts his head down and knocks a guy backwards. And if for you know, if you were to do that every single play. Then that turns a, a four yard per carry average into a five yard per carry average. If you if you can just win that last little part of your run. And that's something that Jarek does really well. In particular, he does it well in space. He has a good feel for when he's not gonna get by somebody. And if, if he can get by somebody, he's gonna do his best. You know, he's gonna there's some great spin moves, the the jukes, all that kind of stuff. He has moves. Even just like the change of speed stuff, there's a lot of ways that Jarrett can be very uh, impactful as a runner. Also, though, he'll make a guy miss, get eight or nine yards, get to a cornerback, and just knock that guy backwards and and turn that eight-yard run into a 10, 11-yard run because he knows, you know, this guy's probably going to drag me down, the angles don't quite work out, whatever, and it's time to end this run by making sure I get whatever I can right here. That sort of feel is something that I feel like we don't talk about enough. You know, the the feel when he's hitting the hole, the, the feel even in space trying to get by guys, that stuff is obvious. But the way that he finishes runs for somebody his size is, even not for somebody his size is impressive. That's why he's so good. Um, I'm going to pull up the actual stats, just like the, the easy ones real quick, because I wonder what his numbers were. Seems like... I mean, they gave him the ball a lot. There's a whole lot of Jarek Broussard. Yeah, 27 carries, 121 yards. What's that? I mean, 25 for 125 would be 5 yards a carry. So, it's under that. um, Somewhere between 4 and 5. Solid. Especially when you consider how this game... uh, It ended. You know, with a lot of running and obvious running situations. Um, Also... I pulled up the ESPN stats. They have like the game highlights up at the top where it's just like all these different clips from the game. Looks like there's like four of them. Number one clip. Jerry Rice's son makes 34-yard catch. Isn't that fun? Calling calling Brendan Jerry Rice's son. Um, What else is in here? Uh, Oh, the Drew Dahlman versus Jalen Sami matchup. All game. That was a lot of fun. Um, especially on this next drive here, I'm not even sure what the score is. Um, but let's see. It was the oh, they were up 28 to nine at this point. And Drew Dalman, by the way, is the center for Stanford. Not anymore. He went to the NFL. I can't remember who drafted him, but there were like I want to say like four centers who went in front of him. So one of the better centers in the conference. And actually, this week before this game, I remember asking Jalen. Um, Basically, like, yeah, so, so you see, like, Drew Dahlman, who was, I can't remember what he was, he was, like, second team all pack 12 uh, center, maybe it was, like, a preseason all pack 12 center, whatever, I mean, does that fire you up a little bit? And he was like, yeah, I actually didn't even know that, um, but yeah, it does, so I guess what I'm saying is I'm taking credit for this, but yeah, the, the way those two went back and forth, it was incredible, and on this next drive, the, the one where it was 28-6, they go down and, and score, or 28-9, sorry, and they make it, 28 16 that's a that's a fun one because as they get closer to that goal line there's just some battles i mean like the i think it was three plays in a row one of them wound up on their back you know one where dolman um gets Sami, then Sami gets him back and like like you know how offensive linemen finish blocks like, they're supposed, like, if you can get the guy on the ground, you want to drive that guy into the ground. Sami, even though, like, the play was behind him, and I guess he could probably just assume that everybody else had the running back wrapped up, he tries to, like, finish his battle with Dalman, just falling on top of him. It was a lot of fun to watch, and you got a lot out of Sami. You got a, got a lot out of Terrence Lang in this game as well, um... There was another stretch for him right around the same time in the game where he was just consistently in the backfield. Um, I think he didn't get a sack, but he did get like a serious pressure. Like I'm pretty sure he like hit the quarterback in the arm and made him miss. And then right after that, had like a seven-yard tackle for loss, like a big loss, and did some other stuff around there. And you wonder what that's about. Like Stanford, Stanford is known. To for their play in the trenches, you know, that they're, they're real big, real bulky up front, um, usually pretty athletic up front, too, and on both sides. And you wonder, you know, for a guy like Terrence Lang, where honestly, my biggest knock on him is just like hustle and, and effort and being, uh, you know, going 100% every single play, all play. You know, we talked about in the UCLA game, there were a couple of times where he was behind the play, and you know, he he was jogging. He wasn't sprinting to get back into the action and it probably doesn't make a difference, but it's, it's a good look. And you know, actually in the same game, you know, you see Mustafa doing exactly that running around behind guys. And that's like what you're supposed to do when you're an NFL draft prospect. Like you don't want to ever have scouts say like, yeah, he's a, what they say is like, not, doesn't have a high motor. I was talking about the high motor, like just always going. Um, when you're a defensive lineman, that's one of like the top three things they look for. And you need to be running behind all the plays. And to be honest, if he just does that this year, that's going to be a huge step for him. Point is, this game, that kind of stuff really wasn't an issue. I felt like he was all over. He was beating up on everybody. I mean, it was a battle. Especially because a lot of the time he was going up against... Uh, was that Walker Little? Now, now I'm not so sure because I thought he sat this season out. That couldn't have been. Um, but... Good defensive line. He got up for it. Just need, need to get up for all the games, you know? That's the way it works. Um, Oh, again, the, the drive that goes like 28-16 from 28-9. You know, a, a pretty big drive in the game. You know, that's where if you get the ball back to the offense with a 19-point lead, there's a chance to really do some damage. Um, but on that drive... uh. Carson Wells early on dropped a pick and it it would have been like a tough one to grab, but it's just one of those little things, you know, he lines up at outside linebacker up on the line of scrimmage, looking like he's going to rush. Then he drops back into his zone. And I think it might've even been a screen pass behind him and gets both hands on. Just can't bring it in. He did bring it in in that first game. You remember UCLA, I think that set up the first touchdown. Maybe it was the second. I think it was the first touchdown. That's a really good football player. That is a really good football player. And when you look at all these guys with Carson right there, with Terrence Lang right there, with Jalen Sami right there, those are playmakers. They They do things that change games, you know, as Carson did in the first game and as he could have right there. And instead what happens because he doesn't make the play, they go downfield and score. And there's other stuff in there. Christian Gonzalez, who had a tough day, he got called for, honestly, a pretty ticky-tack pass interference. And you, you almost wonder if like the, the refs had watched the tape from the game before and were like, okay, keep an eye on this guy because he's just going to be dragging all over um, the, the receiver he's guarding. And again, it was a tough game, specifically in the second half. Um, but he didn't give up too many big gainers. A lot of it was underneath. Um, except this was a tough one, and I think that set them up inside the five, something like that. Um, It was a bad throw. It wasn't going to be completed, and Christian was like a half step behind him, but that's not even that bad a position as a cornerback, really. Just don't get your arm in there. A little too much hand fighting was all it was. Um, A lot better than the pass interferences in the first game. Very obvious. Um, But yeah, like even early on in that drive, uh, they, they were, they were deep. I mean, I'm pretty sure this is the one. Yeah. This is the one that started with the Sam Noyer interception, the deep ones. They're way backed up and they had like a third and 13, third or 14, third and 14 that they picked up just some tough stuff like that, that, you know, that's, they make big differences in the game. Um, buffs respond just like a classic 2020 buffs drive. A lot of Jarek some some a couple good throws from sam, i think one to dimitri um one oh i think no it was before that that brendan rice had his thirty four yard or sorry jerry rice's son had his uh thirty four yard touchdown it was just a blown coverage um yeah, i mean we probably should have taken a break a long time ago. let's do that right now and then jump into some more of this stuff i it's so much fun just talking about football. Just going back and watching all these games. I'm so excited for this football season. I'm excited for fall camp. Because cause fall camp is going to be incredible. Like, last year, everybody was like, oh yeah, dude, Jarek is dope. Keep an eye on Jarek. Jerick. Jarek's kind of going off. And it's like, okay, okay. I'm so ready to buy into all of the preseason hype. Like, whoever it may be. You know, if it's like, oh, Mark Perry has it figured out. He 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 knows where he's going now. He's putting that speed to use. I'm gonna be like, oh, oh boy, Mark Perry, Mark Perry, uh, ah, just so much fun, so much fun. Um, what also is a lot of fun is drinking whatever Breckenridge Brewery makes. Um, whether it's the seltzers, whether it's the Avalanche or the Broncos Country your Happy Pale Ale, they make a lot of really good products and. I think can I say that there isn't anything I don't like. There are definitely things that like I don't choose. Oh, that's not even true because I was thinking like the vanilla porter because to me like I'm I'm always like the heavy beers. That's more of like a summer thing to me, you know. Not drinking them in the summer, but actually, yeah, not drinking them in the summer is a summer thing. Like in the winter, once you get into this Broncos season, Sunday at the bar, road game, fighting through the snow to get there. I could sit down with a nice Vanilla Porter Jr. and enjoy that. Um, So, yeah, seriously, like, I guess you get the sampler packs of the seltzers. I usually go for, like, the strawberry and blueberry first. Those are my favorites. But still, it's not like I don't like the others. It's just that I really like those ones. Um, Seriously, so many good products. And if you buy anything from them this summer, whether, like, you're out at a bar and they have a Breckenridge beer or whether you're buying, like, a 12-pack from the grocery store or whatever, um, 1% of all of their profits this year, they are going to the National Parks Conservation Association. Um, I'm a big fan of that. I... <sighs> Do we have time for this? I don't even know what I'm about to say, but so the history channel like 10 years ago came out with this thing called like America, the story of us. And I hadn't gotten around to watching it for like a decade. Finally started it last night. And it's just incredible to watch. Like, especially cause they do like the CGI of what things look like back there. Like they're like, yeah. And there's once you get past here, it's, it's just these forests for thousands of miles and it's just forests. And it's like, wow, that is so cool why can't the world still be like that or just like trees everywhere like you could pass oh buffaloes this is relevant yeah there we go this all ties in there's like there's like hundreds of thousands or millions or whatever they said i can't remember the exact number the the point of it was when you just watch how many we call them buffaloes i think technically they're bison i've been told never to bring that up um but when you see all of them running across those plains out there and you're just like Wow. Just as far as you can see, just in every direction, they're all just running. Grizzly bears were a plains animal. I didn't actually know that from the... I didn't learn that from this. But just like the the world back then, honestly, was a lot cooler than it is now. Uh, And the point is, national parks are important. I really like national parks. I grew up like 20 minutes from the best of the national parks. Support Breckenridge Brewery because they're giving 1% of all their profits to the national parks. Um, Solace Meds. Um, so they do good stuff, uh, like, uh, you know, selling you marijuana and they have some smoking hot deals. Uh, they have four locations in Colorado. One's in Fort Collins. One's in Wheat Ridge. One is off of Broadway. One is just blocks away on East Colfax from the DMVR bar. And in the month of June, there's a bunch of great deals all month long. Uh, 15% off all gold shelf concentrates, 20% off all wanted tinctures and tarts, 20% off all mountain select rosin and cartridges. It's a lot of fun talking about all this stuff because I get to just imagine what some of these things mean. Like, like this next one, 25% off all blues brothers joint packs. You can figure that one out. It's a pack of joints and they use blues brothers branding. That's pretty cool. 25% off Kana one-to-one-to-one gummies. So, so like that, maybe it's one-to-one THC, which is like the stuff that like gets you high to CBD, which is like the stuff that fixes all your problems. I just don't know what that third one is. And because there's a third one, it makes me think that those first two I got totally wrong, but still 25% off all Kana one-to-one-to-one gummies, 20% off all Keef Cola products. That's got to be a weed drink, right? Got to be. 25% off all Dixie products. Uh, Plus, they've got a bunch of pop-ups in June. Uh, And if you head to their Wheat Ridge location, you can get a free Solace Bar or King Cone. Don't have a guess on King Cone. When you mention the code as well, that's the Wheat Ridge location of Solace Meds. Head in, mention DNVR20 and receive 20% off and get a free Solace Bar or King Cone. I'm going to have to Google King Cone later. Um, plus that DMVR 20 code. So all these places you can order online, like you just go through, I mean, you've bought things online. It's the exact same thing. You put in that DMVR 20 checkout, get 20% off. And again, that's 20% off your entire purchase, including the discounts that they already have going on. It's a great deal. You get that every time. It's not even a one-time only thing. Uh, they, they want to be like your dispensary and so far like they're they're winning people over. Uh, again, you can go to S O L A C E meds.com and purchase from there with the code DMVR20. Okay, uh back to the football and we are already 40 minutes in. That is a bad sign. Luckily, I feel like we we've already talked about most of the things that we need to talk about. I just missed time that break. Um Yeah, so uh like I said, they, they, they score to go 28, 16 and you're just like, ah, yeah, that's uh tough. Um, but then you answer with the drive to go back up 35, 16. Like I said, some Jarek runs, some nice Sam passes, always one to Dimitri. Then one goes randomly to somebody else, whether it's like Levante or Brendan or, you know, the receivers, um, From there, as they're up 35-16, they get a stop at midfield on fourth down. Um, And, you know, they don't do too much with it. I don't remember what happens that one. I wish I'd taken a note on why that next drive stalled out. But I can't remember off the top of my head. I can remember them lining up. I remember they ran plays from shotgun right there. Point is, they wound up punting. And uh, this is where things, I thought, kind of started to change in Stanford's favor. You know... Like I said, that drive before, the touchdown drive before, a lot of that was the Buffs just giving things up that they shouldn't have. And you can place blame on that. I I thought that they were – actually, they were still blitzing pretty hard. Um, Let's let's get into this next drive, though. Um, This is where they were throwing the ball really quickly. They were just getting the ball out of Davis Mills' hands quick as hell. And that was to counter all these blitzes because there were some weird coverages that the bus were throwing at him. And I really like that. I really like that. Um, you know, lining up like six, seven guys at the line of scrimmage, dropping some random ones and them just like, I think Darian Rakestrop, for example, just dropping from the middle of the defensive line and hard sprinting to a sideline to cover somebody. Just things that mess with the quarterback's eyes, especially a cerebral quarterback um, like Davis Mills. Um, actually, I mean, against any quarterback, you, you like it there. Cause you're like, okay, let's not let them have some easy reads, which I think happened a little bit later on once they pulled up off these blitzes. Um, when, uh, you know, they started to get beat on this quick stuff, um, which again, it's not the end of the world. I need to pick a topic and choose that and roll with it. Um, point is, Well, let's just move on. <laughs> there were some there are some quarterback scrambles um that, that caused some issues. Not like big gains, but just the little things that keep drives alive. The things that the buffs weren't giving up earlier on. Um Oh, this was actually where Christian Gonzalez's pass interference was, I think. Did I get that? Oh no. No. This this must have been a second Christian Gonzalez pass interference. Right? Am I remembering this right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, so they go in, they score 35, 24. And it's that to me is where there was a bit of a shift. They, they catch a couple of those blitzes early in the drive. The buffs sit back a little bit more and maybe start playing the clock. Maybe just a little bit, start playing clock saying, if we just keep giving up this little stuff, it's not going to be that bad. You give up the little stuff and they keep running clock off. Even if they do wind up with a touchdown, what happens is it's 35 to 24. You've got an 11 point lead. And at this point you have what, like eight minutes left. I think about eight minutes left. You feel good about that. You're still very much in control of the game. Um, would have been nice to, to get the stop. would have been nice to be able to run it to seven minutes, six and a half minutes. Um, but you know, they don't quite do that. And penalties that, that one big penalty was the problem. Um, here's where things get a little bit conservative um they 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 run jarek twice it's third and one they run jarek again and he picks it up uh then they run jarek again he picks up nine it's second and one they give it to jaron mangum he gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage maybe just behind it now it's third and one hand it off to jarek again you don't pick it up and then you punt you knocked about three minutes off the clock there's about five minutes, maybe just over five minutes left in the game. Still got that 11-point lead, and they've got the ball now. You don't love it, and you know this is where I thought maybe you you incorporate a screen pass. Except though, I guess when it's when it's third and one in this situation, it that is a running situation, especially the way that you've been running the ball all game. Um, and you know, in hindsight, I think it's easy to say, give the ball to Sam. Just just run that QB sneak. It's going to work. And I still think that's probably what I would do. Giving the ball to Jarek Broussard on third and one isn't a bad plan, though. It isn't a bad plan. You picked up one first down. You got three minutes off the clock. Honestly, that's still enough to feel like for them to score 11 points in five and a half minutes, It just, it's going to be very, very difficult. And you feel really good about your position still. Although that, that lead is dwindling. Um, yeah. And then from there, it's just a little bit sloppy, a little bit conservative. Um, you know, like at one point they force Davis Mills to check it down on a second and 10, uh, just hits the receiver, like at the line of scrimmage, maybe a step or two behind the line of scrimmage cornerbacks playing off. He meets him at the line of scrimmage, maybe just in front of the line of scrimmage. Doesn't bring him down. Winds up being a first down like 14, 15 yard gain. And it's just that those sorts of chunks that keep going, and it takes them about three minutes to get down the field. And the the Buffs have a great defensive stand. Makai Blackman goes basically head to head against Simi Fayoko, who I still think is deserving of a lot more hype. You know, I'm going to pick him up in my Dynasty Fantasy League, even though he's buried behind uh, like CD Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and all those guys on the. Dallas depth chart because he is that good and he's big too. He's like six foot four Lil Makai Blackman. He's in there going strong one-on-one outside out physicals him and sends it to fourth down. Or no, that was to get to third down. There, there were some good stuffs down by the goal line on fourth down though. I think it, it's the, the same matchup. It might've actually been Michael Williams instead. Um, but they, they, they wind up calling Makai for that one. And so the PI on fourth and goal sets up the touchdown. They get the two point conversion as well. All of a sudden it's 35, 32 with two thirty four to go. Jarek runs the ball three yards or three times, picks up eight yards. They punt with 18 seconds on the clock. Stanford gets the ball. 10 seconds left their own six yard line. No timeouts. That's the game, you know? And, and looking back, I don't love what they did, but at the same time, you know, it was a very NFL approach. You know, in college football, just these crazy things happen. and when you think that you have complete control of the game a little bit too early, that can get you. Didn't get them here though. they, they, they were able to to slow down the Stanford offense enough because again, when, when you' when you're up 11 points with five minutes left, You don't need stops. You just need slowdowns. And they did that. And because of that, and because they are able to pick up that one first down, that was enough. It was enough. Would you have liked to see maybe them try to to blitz? To try to put some pressure on Davis Mills? Ah, Maybe. I'm not honestly so sure that I feel that way, though. Um, Yeah. I feel like that's most of my thoughts on the game. Um, they won. And again, that was a big win. And I'm excited to talk about the next game, too. Um, yeah. Oh, looks like Nicole Jokic is the official. No. So, here's what happened. Here's what happened. So, um, what is this? I saw a Slack message that said, Oh, shit, Jokic, our MVP, a bunch of party hats. I click on it. I scroll up. Somebody sent to the DNVR bar, oh, Kenzo's Customs. You know that guy Kenzo sent us, I guess. Um, uh, Is that a Nikola Jokic MVP statue? Yeah, it's Nikola Jokic on the MVP statue with the thing. It's a pretty cool thing. Not the official MVP You never know what to expect from the slack. Uh, That's going to do it for today. Uh, Tomorrow, oh, I I had something I want to talk about. Oh, I have a little side note tomorrow. Um, I can't remember. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. He did win it. Whoa. That just happened to be at the same time that that message was sent. What a day. What a day. Nikola Jokic. Do we know if it's unanimous? It better be unanimous. If somebody vote for somebody else, they don't know basketball. They're just, oh, okay. What does Shams have to say? Lowest draft pick ever. Oh, and he said, yeah, he won it. They haven't said if it's unanimous. If he's not unanimous, I'm going to riot. Okay. Point is, I need to go golf because this is too close to the tee time for me to be leaving if we're being honest. So, uh, yeah, uh, Appreciate all of you, as always, for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with some more.